Did you know there was a free five-part podcast series all about classroom management? In this series, learn how I went from using traditional classroom management strategies without a lot of success to becoming a behavior detective. Discover how I help children with root cause of their behavior issues instead of just addressing the behavior itself. If you want to take a listen to this new series, just check the show notes. You're listening to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast, the podcast for quick, actionable ideas and tips to help you up your confidence and joy in educating little learners. I'm your host, Ashley Rives. Let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Lovely Preschool Teachers Podcast. You're listening to episode 43, How to Make a Classroom Schedule for Preschool. Creating a class schedule can be one of the most important plans you create for your preschool classroom. Setting up your school day to run smoothly takes some thought and consideration because the truth is your daily schedule can make or break the behaviors that you see. Just think about it. If you schedule and execute a 30-minute circle time at the beginning of the year, then you will most likely have little roly-poly children all over your carpet. Or if you don't schedule snack time in between arrival and lunch, you're going to have some hangry students because snack or lunch is just too far away. How about movement activities? If your outdoor time isn't till the end of the day and you have no movement activities built in, then you may find wiggles to be bursting at the seams. Children need predictable routines and creating a daily schedule can really help work against some negative preschool behaviors. Through the years, I've found a process that I go through that makes planning out my schedule a little bit easier. Creating a schedule is one of those hugely important things that I craft at the beginning of the year. Once I have my non-negotiables, such as, you know, any special activities that we may have, like music class or when our outdoor time is, then I can sit down and really work on a schedule that works best for my children. And I want to help you create your own preschool schedule. So I've broken the process into five steps because I think that going through these five steps is the easiest way to make sure that you are being very intentional when creating your schedule. And maybe you can just bypass any issues with the schedule and preschool preschool behaviors because of the schedule just right off the bat. So let's go ahead and jump into this five-step process. So step number one, is the first thing you got to do, which is ask yourself some key questions. And these key questions are, how many hours are you with your students? Obviously, this dictates your whole schedule. I'm only with my children for four and a half hours. So somebody who is in a full-time room, their schedule is going to look much different than mine. Also, looking at what age are your students, because that is going to make a huge difference in how long you might schedule more adult-directed activities. Then asking yourself, okay, which events or activities during the day are mandatory? Well, we got to have lunch. We've got to have outdoor. Sometimes we have special class times. And then how much time do you need for these mandatory activities? So these kind of dictate where you start because they aren't negotiable. And do you need to schedule transition times? Make sure you have enough time to move to outdoor play or have bathroom breaks if you don't have bathrooms in your classroom. 
and any other activities that you may have to leave the classroom for, making sure that you put a little buffer time in there as well. So once you've taken stock of what activities are mandatory and those transition times that you have to kind of put in there and kind of non-negotiable stuff, and you know how many hours you have, then you can start looking at what to do with the rest of the day, right? So if you have you know, your schedule laid out on a piece of paper, maybe you do every 15 minute increments and you go ahead and plug in, okay, this is definitely going to be outdoor time. This is a special time on this day. This is lunch for this day because all these things are not negotiable. So those are easy ones to plug in first because then we have to move to step two and decide what else goes in. So if you're like me, you could fit about 5 million things in your day because you just have so many ideas and so many things you want to do with your little learners. But the problem is we just don't have enough time in the day, honestly. So step two is to decide if it's important. So what you're going to do first is list out the activities or like events that you want in your day. So things that you're like, oh, I would really like to do this or I'd like to put this in, things like that. So this might be share time, large group, free play, story time, small group, quiet reading, things like that. Now you're going to write down all those things, but then you're going to number the events based on their importance to you. Number one being the most important because they may not get to all fit in there. So a little side note on this step here, something I found that works really well for me is to not look at my schedule like, oh, I need this math time. Oh, I need this science time. And I've got a schedule in these subject area times. Instead, I have been scheduling in whole group as a time on my schedule where I get to choose what we're doing, or maybe it's dictated, of course, by the students and their interests and what we're working on. But I use that whole group time and say, okay, I can plug multiple things in. Maybe it's math and it, you know, laps over to literacy too. Maybe it's a science STEM activity. Maybe it's, you know, a shared reading or a shared writing. I use my whole group time as just this very open-ended way for me to be able to schedule multiple different things. Because if we keep that fluid, then we really can decide what we want to do. And it really leaves it open to, you know, what our students are interested in and what our assessments are telling us, things like that. And so on my schedule, you're going to see two whole groups and you're going to see a small group, what I want to do a small group while the other children are playing. And then you're going to see lots of free play time. But I just kind of wanted to put that out there because sometimes we get hung up on, oh my gosh, I got to have math and I got to have this and I got to have that. When in reality, sometimes we can just leave it really open-ended and just know that that is going to be a time that we're coming together. So just putting that out there in case that's helpful to you, it's just kind of a mind shift change. That way you can fit more things in. I often get tons of questions about, well, how do you fit all this in? Well, I don't fit all of it in every day. I don't fit a STEM challenge in every single day. I don't fit, you know, maybe some like direct instruction math every single day. But we are kind of leaving this whole group as this fluid thing where I can insert what we need to work on and what is most important to my kiddos. 
and things that, you know, they're ready for. So leaving that open allows me to go, oh, we're going to focus more on this. And it doesn't have to fit in a math box or fit in a literacy box because so much of what we do overlaps. And if we can make that overlap, that's even better, right? Okay, let's move on to step number three, how long? So we know young children, they just can't sit and focus for long. So it's important to take that into account and especially take into account the age of the children you will be teaching and their attention spans. So the average attention span is two to five minutes per year of age. This pertains to activities where children are sitting and listening, or, you know, maybe there's some participation there, but you're all kind of sitting together, maybe at whole group or small group. Okay. This does not include free play where children are able to move freely from center to center. But if you're looking at two to five minutes per age of child and you are with four-year-olds, that could be at least eight minutes, but no more than 20. And we also know that at the beginning of the year, you're going to need to keep it towards that eight minute. But then by the end, you can add a little bit more. So keeping those things in mind, because once you've decided, okay, I know what I want to have on my schedule, then comes that question, how long do I schedule it for? So try to shoot for the mid range of these time spans because then that will kind of give you that, you know, you'll have a little extra time at the beginning of the year because they're not sitting quite as long. And then you'll have, you know, a little little more time that laps into something else by the end of the year. But scheduling for the middle is the best because I don't change my schedule throughout the year. I just don't have time to do it. Um, But if, you know, it laps a couple minutes into something else, it's not the end of the world for me. And then a note about multi-age. So when you're teaching multi-age groups, Try to schedule for the oldest children and just let those younger children leave the group when they're finished participating because that's okay, right? And I'll even talk to my older kiddos about, well, they're, you're so much older, we can spend more time to do things together. They just like things short and sweet. And you know, they kind of start to understand that stuff. So if you are wondering like, okay, two to five minutes per age, I don't really want to do the math. I have a workbook for you that lists this all out and walks you through all these five steps I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes. Okay, so we talked about how long to schedule for direct instruction. Now let's talk about how long you should be scheduling for center free play time. So this one has some recommendations with it, and it is dependent on your length of day. So three hours, if your day is three hours long, the recommendation is 60 minutes of play. If your day is four and a half hours like mine, your recommended time is 90 minutes. Again, this is in the scheduling workbook that I'll leave a link to in the show notes because it lists out all the times in play for, you know, from three hours all the way to eight hours. So also keep in mind that that is the total time in play. So for me, that 90 minutes is total. It doesn't have to be done in one time. So I have two times of play at the very beginning of the day and then again after lunch. And so those two equal up to that 90 minutes. All right, step number four is plan it out. So this is where you're going to use a time chart 
and you're going to plug in your activities. Now, you could definitely make your own. You could break it up into 15-minute intervals, even five-minute intervals. But if you grab the workbook, it's already done for you. So I've got some five-minute interval charts in there that you can use and really just map out. And so, of course, starting with those non-negotiables from step one, filling those in with those blocks of time, and then also filling in those activities or events in order of importance from step two, and then making sure that you are not scheduling too long or you're scheduling long enough based on step three. So once your schedule's filled in, I suggest you leave it alone for a couple days and then come back to your schedule with fresh eyes and look for any holes or mistakes or missing activities because I have definitely made a schedule that I'm like, oh yeah, totally got it done, great. And then I look back at it and I'm like, oh, good grief. You know, I I didn't even plan for us to go to the bathroom. Well, that was silly, right? So just kind of come back to it. And then, because nothing's worse than having to redo your schedule <laughs> over and over again at the beginning of the year because you're realizing it isn't working or you've just forgotten something. But once you feel confident, go ahead and make it final. And I like to also make copies to hang in my classroom because I can't remember my schedule until, you know, the year has gone on for a while. And then, of course, it's ingrained in my head, but um, making those copies around there, too. And then also in the scheduling workbook is some um, pretty little ones you can fill in. So you could fill in your weekly schedule on these if you open it in Adobe Reader you're able to add your own times and everything there for you. So that's kind of fun. And then we're going to move to step five. Step five is using visual schedule cards. So your schedule may be finished, but don't forget to make the class schedule available to your students too. So by using visual schedule cards, you can help students know exactly what's going on throughout the day. So why might you want to take the time to do this? Well, If you have students, which you don't know yet, right, that are going to have a hard time being away from home, they can take comfort in knowing what comes next. This helps children also who don't like transitioning because we can say, well, the schedule says this is what we're doing. And that seems more doable to them because it's in writing. They can see it. It has a picture with it. And they're like, okay, well, that's what we got to do. And you're almost blaming it on the schedule, right? Also, children learn the class routine more quickly when it's displayed in a way they can understand it. And that predictability helps children feel safe. I mean, think about it. When we, you know, go somewhere new or go to a conference, we want to know what's going on. We want to know what the schedule is. We want to know what's expected out of us. We want to know when we're going to be able to leave. We want to know if we're going to be fed. And that helps us feel safe, right? So that's the same thing with them. They're going to this new place with this new person and they don't know what's going to happen. And so that routine can really help them. And visual schedules are a great way for them also to learn that sequence of events, which is awesome. But if you find that your children are constantly asking you, what's next? What are we doing now? What are we doing? What are we doing? Visual schedules will save you in that sense because you won't have to repeat yourself over and over and over again. You'll say, go check the visual schedule because once you've taught them what each symbol means and once they've kind of gone through those things, then it just makes it so much easier. Go check the schedule. That's all you have to say. And at the beginning, I have them in this long pocket chart 
and I just flip them over when they're done. And then I generally have someone in the class, if not two someones, who have taken so greatly to that schedule that they want it to be their job. Can I do the schedule today? Sure. So then you have somebody who's flipping them all back over for you. I even had one last year that knew Tuesday schedule versus Thursday schedule and would take out and put in the right cards and then say, is this right? Yep, it is. So, you know, they, some of them grasp to this greatly. And what's surprising to me is it's not always the ones that I thought would. So visual schedules, I think, just need to fall in line with creating our own schedule. Because if we can give children that predictability, help them feel safe and save ourselves from repeating ourselves over and over again, I mean, why not? So to assist you in creating your own visual schedules, I also have in that same exact workbook, free principles of a things that you may be doing throughout the day. So there's centers, there's bathroom, there's outside, there's snack, there's prayer, there's story time, there's morning meeting. And you can print these and use whichever ones work for you and then teach them to your students in those first couple of weeks that they're there with you and then have that displayed all year. And you'll be super surprised at how much this visual schedule aids your students and aids you. So if you're ready you can go ahead and hop over and grab that workbook. I'm going to put it at the show notes at lovelycommotion.com slash episode 43. Okay, those are our five steps. Let's take a little recap here. Step one, ask yourself those key questions because they're non-negotiable. Step two, decide what you want to plan in addition to those non-negotiables and if it's important enough to make the schedule. How long is step number three? How long should we be scheduling these activities? Step four is really just getting in there and planning it all out and putting it on paper. And then step five, creating those visual schedule cards for your students so you can share the schedule with them as well. Creating a schedule has a pretty big impact on our day-to-day lives in our classrooms. And the more intentional we are about setting up a schedule that's rooted in what we know is best for children and their development, can save us from serious classroom management mistakes. So I'm hoping with the resources that I provided for you, you can also make a schedule that works the very best for you and your students. Thanks for joining me today. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and help more preschool teachers just like you. Keep being lovely. 